Welcome to Starting Points, a Faith on Hill podcast. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill. Starting Points is designed to overview the major sections and books of the Bible. Christians believe that the Bible is the Word of God. It contains all that is necessary for salvation and living a victorious Christian life. So each episode looks at a book or a section and is a starting point or restarting point to your own personal reading, studying, understanding of the Bible. Today, we are going to look at the question of which books of the Bible are more important or are some books of the Bible uh, less important or are they all the same? Now, this last Sunday... I, I meant, we were going through the book of Revelation, and I meant to talk about this, and I even put it in one of the questions uh, for the small groups, and then I totally spaced and I didn't talk about it. And I'll talk about it this Sunday. But I thought it would be good to do a video in general, and I thought this podcast would be a very uh, fitting place for it. Uh, so I want to talk about what books of the Bible, if any, are more important, or are they all the same? There is one sense in which they are all the same. Every book of the Bible is the word of God. And I personally believe that in general terms, any person uh, could have major parts of the Bible and, and that God could use that to impart to them a saving faith. Somebody could take some of the prophets, for example, and they would have a knowledge of our desperate wickedness, our need for forgiveness, our need for God. And if for nothing else, that person could become convinced that there is a God and that we need salvation. And then I trust that God, the Holy Spirit, would speak to that person in some way or at some point down the road. It kind of reminds me of Apollos. And Apollos was this fella in the first century who was going around preaching about John's baptism. And he knew about Jesus and he knew about John's baptism and water for repentance, but he didn't know fully about grace, about the Holy Spirit, about um, the resurrection and the baptism and the cross and all this stuff. And so he was going around preaching the truth as he knew it to the fullest. And then he meets these, these two Christians, this husband and wife couple, Aquila and Priscilla, and they go, hey, by the way, you know, because it's not like today where there's, you know, WhatsApp and instant messenger and, and social media, it's no communication. You could go for years without hearing from somebody. And they said, hey, by the way, this is the rest of the story. And he heard it and he received it with gladness because he believed the truth in as much as he had it. So there's a sense in which all of the Bible is equally true. All of the Bible is equally important. I am very wary of people who want to minimize certain parts of the Bible because there's almost always a reason why they want to minimize certain parts of the Bible. Either it's a part they're uncomfortable with, it's a part that doesn't fit their own personal ideology or pre-established theology. I'll give you some examples. Uh, there are people in the Reformed tradition in theology who hate the book of James. Not everybody, not all of them, and I have many great friends, and there are great churches in our area that are part of that Reformed theological heritage. But I know people that hate the book of James, and the reason comes back to that Martin Luther, who was kind of the, like, you know, the original Reformer, hated the book of James. 
And Luther was wrong. It was one of the things I like Martin Luther overall. I think he's a complex man. I think he's an interesting man. I, I've talked bluntly about his his failings and his flaws in previous podcasts. But I'm a fan of Martin Luther, generally speaking. And I want people to understand what I'm saying there. Generally speaking, uh, I think he was better than was bad, you know. At the same time, one of the reasons he hated the book of James was because his, his theology was reactionary. And he was reacting to legalism and self-made righteousness. And so when James is like, oh, you say you have faith, prove it. Martin Luther's like, I don't have to prove it. I stand in faith alone, no works. And so there are people who have problems with the book of James, even though it's in the Bible. It is affirmed. It's received by the church. Uh, There's people that don't like 1 Timothy because it doesn't fit well with our modern cultural thought. And this is actually a conservative and a a liberal thing. Uh, Conservatives and liberals could kind of agree that there are places in the book of 1 Timothy that make us uncomfortable in the way that we think as modern people. And I could go on and on and on, but there are these things where people are uncomfortable, and so then they try to minimize the books. Or there are ways in which people are racist. And so over the years, you know, uh, one of the first heretics uh, hated Jewish people. And so he started cutting out books of the Bible and said, I'm not going to accept any of these books because they're too Jewish. Forgetting that Jesus was Jewish, that all of the 12 disciples were Jewish, that all of the New Testament writers except Luke were Jewish. So generally speaking, all of the Bible is true. All of the Bible is the word of God from Genesis through Revelation. At the same time, there are books of the Bible that I do think should get more attention than others. Uh, I think the Gospels, anywhere where it's about Jesus, should get more attention. Now, does that mean that the Gospels uh, override the other books of the Bible? No, they're in harmony with the other books of the Bible. Um, Does that mean that if Jesus didn't teach on something but the apostles did, that we should give more weight to that? No, not at all. In fact, uh, we we shouldn't think that way because Jesus was teaching and speaking to the people of Israel. He was very clear about that, that he was sent in his first coming to the lost sheep of Israel. The apostles went out into the Gentile, non-Jewish world, and then they were dealing with questions that were not common questions in the Jewish community and culture. It's really not very different from how I will talk to pastors who pastor churches in other parts of the country or retired pastors, uh, and they, uh, you know, dealt with things in the 80s or the 90s or early 2000s, but now they're like, I don't know. And I'll have uh, retired pastors or pastors from other parts of the country, and they'll say, how are you guys dealing with this? Because it's not something that they're dealing with yet, or it's not something that they dealt with in their day, but it's something that we deal with every day here on the West Coast in Portland specifically. So I think the gospel should get priority because they're all about Jesus. I think Acts should get priority because it's the story of the first Christians. I think the New Testament in general should get priority because it's the covenant of grace that we live in. In the Old Testament, I think Genesis deserves a lot of priority because it's so foundational to understand how we got here. Even if the first 11 chapters are allegorical or they are the mythology that they understood, the point of Genesis is really not about, it's about everything after the first 11 chapters, but that's a whole another thing. I personally believe that God probably did create the earth in a literal six days. Now, was it 10,000 years ago or 6,000 years ago or was it 500,000 years ago? I don't know. But that's my personal opinion. 
But I think there are people who a very valid point of view to believe Genesis that is is more like a, a kind of a big picture idea, but really over millions of years, God used evolutionary processes. I'm not going to get in an argument with somebody about it. I do think Genesis is a book that every Christian should read and give attention to because it's foundational. I was thinking in the book, The Revelation, which is kind of what started this whole conversation, that you got to read Genesis to fully understand it. I think another book to be valued and read is the book of Daniel. It's an incredibly practical book for Christians in our day, and it is an incredibly foundational book for understanding uh, biblical prophecy and what God has to say about the future. In fact, for the book of Revelation, I think Genesis and Daniel are, are huge. I think the Psalms are incredibly valuable. They're encouraging to us. They're personally enriching, uh, but they also speak heavily, heavily of Jesus. Uh, First and second Samuel and specifically around King David is important because so much of uh, what what goes on with Jesus and and who he is and who the Messiah is, is linked to that story. Um, So so there are books of the Bible that that I understand kind of get a preference or or, um, you know, let's read those first. That's the trick. One of the tricky things about the Bible. It's written from Genesis to Revelation. But do you start with book one? No, actually, you start with the Gospels, which isn't too dissimilar from like, if you think about Chronicles of Narnia, you know, Chronicles of Narnia was written, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, Voyage of the Dawn, Treader, Silver Chair, Horse and His Boy, so on and so on and so on. But chronologically, the magician's nephew is first, and it's a very petty annoyance of mine uh, that magician's nephew, when you buy, uh, you know, book sets of Chronicles of Narnia now, they say that's book one. It's not. Book one was Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I, I, I adhere to the uh, order in w- which it was written. Why am I saying all this? Because I do think that there are books that you should read first. Not that they're more important or that they're more valuable or that, that they, you know, somehow these other books are lesser. But I do think there are books that should be read first. Uh, and I think the Gospels, the Book of Acts, uh, the rest of the New Testament, you can save Revelation if you want. Uh, then Genesis, Daniel, Psalms, 1st, 2nd Samuel, those are big ones, Exodus. And you can kind of go from there. I don't begrudge that there are the 10 least read books of the Bible. We did that sermon series last year. Uh, you know, the 10 least read books of the Bible. I don't think that's terrible that those exist. Uh, there are always going to be 10 books or 12 books that are read less than others. That's fine. I think every Christian should read the whole Bible whenever possible. I think every Christian should read the whole Bible more than once. Um, but you know, if you're going to say, hey, what's the books of the Bible I should read first? We're going Genesis through Revelation uh, just because that's the chronological sort of order. But in terms of what I should read first, I would recommend the Gospels, the book of Acts, the rest in the New Testament, minus Revelation, that's optional. And then Genesis, Daniel and the Psalms, first, second Samuel, and then kind of go from there. Uh, I, I love the Bible. I love the stories of the Bible. I love the truths of the Bible. I love the power of the Bible. It changed lives. But uh, hopefully that's helpful. Hopefully that answers some questions and, and kind of brings a, a little clarity to this concept of, of, you know, how do you start? It's a huge collection of 66 books written over a 1,500-year period by over 40 authors. Where do you begin? Do you begin in Genesis? You can. I'd begin with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John because Jesus is the whole point of the Bible. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Starting Points. As I said earlier, we go through the whole Bible, all the major sections, and all the books. You can find this and all of our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You just have to search Faith on Hill. Video versions are available on our Facebook page, and you can follow us at Faith on Hill on social media. 
My name's Adam, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Starting Points.